Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But not just any bay. It's a Baywatch. Because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School. A podcast for two men who have never watched Baywatch before. Try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And we don't know how to lead into a podcast. So... No, sir. Morgan, this week, this week's episode is, uh, I feel like we have different opinions on this episode. Yeah, I would agree. I think I like it a little bit more than you do, which is surprising because I feel like the mixed reaction in the past has been that I like the episode much less than you do. I usually like horrible things a lot. Yes. <laughs> and this episode, I don't know, maybe it feels like to me just not as much was happening, but... You know, I guess we'll figure it out as we talk through it. Maybe you'll convince me. Could be. Could be. So, information on this episode. Uh, This was written by William A. Schwartz, directed by Mario DeLeo, and originally aired November 3rd, 1989. This is also the first appearance on the show of Jeff Altman. Jeff Altman plays a character in this episode named Fred. Uh, now Jeff Altman would play five different characters on Baywatch and his last character has, I think three or four appearances. So he just throughout this show just keeps coming back apparently because the producers really liked him and thought he was a great actor. Jeff Altman, I think he's like a decent actor, but also I kind of hate Fred. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he does a really good job with the role in this episode. I just think the role is written to be as fucking obnoxious as possible throughout this entire episode. Though actually, and I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later in the episode, I think there's an interesting angle to view Fred under that I think changed my perspective on his character a little bit, but we'll we'll get into that later in the episode. Are we doing... Literary criticism of Baywatch? I think we might be. Oh, God. Like, this has really warped us, hasn't it? (laughs) I mean, if anyone, if any two people were going to do it, it would be a theater nerd and a bad movie nerd. Like... I wasn't sure what you were going to use for me, because I was like, yeah, theater nerd is you. And then, uh, like, what is Michael? Like, what is he about? And I'm like, dude... I'm still trying to figure out what I'm about at 29. Like, I have no clue. Tell, like, yeah, sure, I have a career and shit, but like, I don't know. Um, you know who else doesn't know? Jill, because this is a Jill centric episode and we start with Jill. So, Morgan, please take us into Jill. Sure thing. Yeah, we open on Jill bringing coffee and food to Henry, who is a assumedly homeless man who's asleep at her tower no no specifically specifically she brings him half a prune danish but not a full prune danish because like what the fuck jill so the dialogue says it's a half prune danish but the prune danish or the pastry in general that they bring um is very clearly whole so you know you don't know how big that danish was maybe (laughs) maybe it's just like the world's biggest danish and she took half of it but she still could have brought him the world's biggest prune danish could be on the other hand i think about well maybe she gave him half a prune danish because he's just going to be shitting his brains out the next day if he had a full prune danish yeah 
I also want to, real quick, at the top of this episode, while we're talking about Jill, address the fact that I don't recognize Jill just ever, and I don't understand why. Uh, to, quote, to quote me a few episodes, maybe you should just get better at telling women apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's odd, because every other woman in this show, I can look at them and go, oh yeah, I know who that is. But then Jill, I'm like, I'm not sure I've ever seen her before. That's because they never show her. She was there in the pilot to like fawn over Trevor, but mostly they focus on Shawnee. Yeah, that's a good point. She has been kind of backgrounded for most of this show. Yeah, but yeah. It- there's a... Very brief establishing shot here, and then we cut to a scene of business. Yes. Very important business on the beach. We've got Derek, who is a very pretty boy, and then an older couple, who it turns out is his father and stepmother. Derek, he looks like he's the American Trevor Cole. I don't know if he takes off his shirt as much, uh, but he's just... The same good looks with like the, you know, kind of curly blonde hair, uh, kind of smooth with women. You know, he's the same guy. Oh, yeah. He also wears some very good sweaters later oh, yes. in this episode. Oh, yes, he does. The other note I want to talk about real quick in this scene, and maybe this is just me, and maybe this is me investigating and discovering some deep parts of my psyche that maybe I shouldn't in public. Huh. But here we are. We're going to. Um, Did you feel like there was weird sexual chemistry between Derek and Joanna later in this scene? Uh, Not in this scene, but in other scenes. Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. (laughs) No, I, I, no, no, yes, no, actually it was this scene. So I did my second rewatch of it right before this. I remember looking at a part where it's just where uh, his dad walks away and he sits down. And I was like, I've seen the episode. I know what happens. But also, they fucking, right? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. My note literally has in parentheses at the end of this scene, Derek and Joanna are definitely boning, right? They're not. I don't think. Like, that's, it's so weird. I I think he just made an acting mistake. Could be, could be. But she's, she's hitting that note, too, I gotta say. Like, this whole scene, I mean, nothing's really important. We basically learn that Alex is going to go for a swim. But then once he leaves... He's telling Derek about how he won't be able to make some fundraiser. And he goes, oh, well, you can just take Joanna to the fundraiser. And Derek and Joanna share a look that is just charged. And it's really weird when we later learn out that that's his stepmom. Yeah, it it felt very porny. You know what I mean? And that was the moment in which I knew spoilers for like one minute from now that the dad was going to die. Like, Mm -hmm. even if they aren't going to bone, like he's going to die. Like it's just told with their sexual look. Oh yeah. Yeah. To follow up on that plot line next up, we've got Alex swimming in the ocean. Like he was saying, Oh no, no, no. Before then let's add something. Let's add a little, a little something here, which is that his dad tells his son to ditch the financial section and look at the sports section since he'd do better there, which is a really weird thing to say to your child because he wants his child to inherit, or he doesn't want, but his child is going to inherit his business. What is the business? I don't know. It's a business. Uh, but he should be good at, I don't know, money and business instead of sports, unless his business is sports. Uh, just the word sports is his business. <laughs> he should be good at, you know, business. So 
he should be reading the financial section. Like, I don't get why he would tell him that. And they never bring it up later that he's like, I don't know, an idiot or adult. It's just this one scene. It definitely feels like Alex is one of those, like, old money, rich white dudes who's just been in business for so long. That of he course he is. No matter what, it'll all be okay. Morgan, this is 1989. Of course he's that guy. Exactly. Exactly. God, we're so fucked. Okay, anyway. <laughs> continue. Yeah, there's there's a couple quick scenes. There's one where two older couples are kind of filming each other. Oh, I want to talk about this. I want to talk yes, about this. Please I hate ahead. I hate these people. I yes. I fucking <laughs> hate these people so goddamn much. In my notes it says to cut to Oh God, I hate this. And then later it comes back to them and I say, and really, truly, I mean this with all sincerity. I hate all of this because I hate these people. Like they, like it's this old woman with a camera who's just like, look at all these things we're doing. Say hi to the cat. It's so like old home movies, which are already bad, but it's old home movies with obnoxious white people who are also like, say hi to the pretty lifeguard. And I'm like, no, it's, mm -hmm. I don't want grandparents on my Mitch's abs TV show. Both old couples live in upstate New York and have vacation homes in Florida. Oh, uh, well, they're only going to Florida this year because they can't make it to Acapulco. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. They just 100%. couldn't make They just couldn't make it right now. And the reason is, is because, you know, Franklin over here has got a little bit of an upset tummy and <laughs> he couldn't handle, in quotes, the local food because oh. they're racist white people. Jesus. So they went they went to Florida and in Florida, all they're going to have, all they're going to have is bacon and eggs, steak and eggs, and then at night some more eggs and they're going to get back home and they're going to be like, why am I farting so much? It's probably because you just only ate eggs for your entire fucking trip. That's why. Hey, now, at least once during their vacation, they will go out to a fancy restaurant for a date night and they'll go to Applebee's and they'll love it. I mean, fuck. <laughs> or like, all, like my grandpa used to say Olive Garden was the greatest restaurant oh. ever created on God's oh, green earth. My soul. And now picture this like World War II vet Jewish man who is only only hate in quotes only hates two people, the Germans and anyone from India because they barter <laughs> with him and he hates it when people barter with him. Wow. OK. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he's not a great not a great guy. And he said that Olive Garden was the greatest restaurant because you could scam them out of food and i'm like you're not scamming olive garden like there's no scam yeah. to be had on an olive garden you could rob them that would be bad <laughs> but you couldn't scam olive garden they are already a scam on your stomach the food yeah. is bad there is too much of it and the price is far too low you know that you're going to come out with some sort of like new version of sars like <laughs> <laughs> the moment you step out that door and the magical Olive Garden magic barrier like wears off because their cleric decides I'm only going to protect the boundary of this building. <laughs> hey, Spirit Guardian's only a 60 foot radius, so it's a D&D &D joke. Uh, 
Yeah. Anyway, we're going to move on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we've got Alex swimming in the ocean, and there's a guy in a scuba suit who is being vaguely threatening towards Alex, interspersed with cuts of this older couple who are filming while Jill watches from her lifeguard tower, and then... The husband of the one older couple goes to go in the ocean, but he's wearing an inner tube. So Jill runs over and tells the woman who's videotaping her husband, hey, no inner tubes in the ocean. And the wife says, oh, but it's his first time in the ocean and he needs it. And Jill goes, but he could drown. (laughs) And then it's fine. Um, So we cut to a guy skipping rocks. And (laughs) what was that? He sees Alex get pulled under the water by scuba guy and runs for a lifeguard. But Jill is too busy yelling at the older couple about how inner tubes will make you drown, which is foreshadowing. I mean, it's not really because it gets paid off 30 seconds later. Yeah, but it's foreshadowing and that's good writing. Um So Fred goes to get Jill because even though he was like, I don't know, 20 feet from her and saw her, he instead ran to the tower first and then ran to her. Well, maybe maybe he just foreshadows again how good of a lifeguard he's going to be for the rest of this episode. Uh, Spoilers. Um, (laughs) Come on. Right. Jill runs into the water to go save Alex. And this guy, who I'm just going to start referring to him as Fred, because that's his name, and we'll see much more of him during this episode than I wanted to. Um, For anyone not watching, he looks like a Fred. Just imagine. Oh, God, yeah. Just imagine, like, your old... Just, okay. In my mind, I just picture him as, what if Fred Savage and Alfred Molina did the Dragon Ball Z fusion dance? And that is who he is. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he stands on the shore and directs Jill and tells her where to go save the guy, which is uh, is real indicative of how he's going to be for the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. Next up, um, Trevor sees all of this and runs to go get Derek from the sauna as Jill pulls Alex out of the water and starts trying to give him CPR. I also want to comment again, I think I've mentioned this before. The CPR on this show looks so fake, and oh, yeah. it really it really bothers me. But Derek shows up, and Mitch shows up with a bunch of paramedics, and they haul Alex off into an ambulance, and it turns out he's dead, and all of that. And this is also where we find out that Derek is Alex's son, and that was the first moment where I went, wait, what the fuck was up with the, all that sexual tension earlier between him and Joanne? <laughs> Because very clearly, Alex and Joanne are married. Anyway. Um, so I want to add that in the CPR scene, at one point, what we do get is, um, so they call over. So Jill does her CPR. It do, it fails. Like, he's uh, he's still dead. Or he's not still <laughs> dead. He's dead. And then Mitch calls in the big guns. And by the big guns, I mean lifeguard Mikey Newman. A.K.A. Man with the Toupee, A.K.A. I did some research, and Mikey <laughs> Newman has the third most appearances on Baywatch out of any character in the series history. Yeah. So number one is Mitch, and number two is Hobie. Mikey Newman appears in 109 Baywatch episodes. You just don't 
know who the fuck the guy is. Apparently until like season seven when he becomes a main character. So he tries to CPR and, and he, he sort of looks like he's trying to do CPR, but also likes, looks like he's trying to expel a demon from him. <laughs> uh, he kind of just sort of pushes with all of his force and then does nothing else. And I'm like, dude, there's like a suction component. There's not yeah. just a like vigorously push them into oblivion component. Um, Alex gets thrown into an ambulance and Mitch decides to boss his son around and just tell him what to do because Mitch in, in this episode is kind of just super bossy. I, I don't know how to say he's super off this episode. I feel like he is to some extent, but I will defend his behavior in this scene because like, okay, yes, it's your dad, but also it's not like Derek's going to do anything useful by being there. Like, Best case scenario, he doesn't interfere with them trying to save his dad's life. Mm, yeah, I guess so. But also, we know Mitch is so vicariously the protagonist that he's going to... That's true. He's going to do That's something true. anyways. Uh, next up, Eddie is giving Fred our friend from earlier. He's not our friend. He is not our friend. No, he's not. He's giving him a tour of Lifeguard HQ... And Freddy is a massive creep who is spying on Jill in the shower. Cool. While Eddie explains the concept of locker rooms to Fred. It's really creepy because he 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 first says it as like, oh, this is where you guys like, you know, decompress after a long day. And Eddie has to be like, why would we decompress here? It's a it's like a 10 foot width room. With yeah. with benches and showers and lockers, who was ever decompressed in this space? Yeah, it's God. It really, uh, it really emphasizes just how much we're gonna wish that Fred was less in this episode. Yes. Next up, we've got a very weird tonal shift, but understandable in the context of the episode where Jill is understandably very distraught about the mm. fact that she lost Alex. It turns out this was her first death. So, like, yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty big deal. That's odd, though, because she feels like she's one of the more senior lifeguards. Not, yeah, like, I, Craig level, but she seems like she's... I, I don't... Maybe she's just really good as a lifeguard, and, and that's kind of morbid to say, like, I'm shocked nobody else has died under her watch. But I would have suggested... I would have thought that she would have had someone else die on her. No, I totally agree. I had that same thought during this scene where I was like, oh, wow, this is your first? Like, either she's really, really good, or she's just gotten really lucky. And in either case, like, I'm I'm glad... <laughs> You know, I don't, as much as we may have dunked on lifeguards for thinking they're over-important in earlier episodes, uh, I don't still want do. anyone to have to deal with feeling like they uh, couldn't save the life of someone and watch them die, because that sounds like it sucks. Oh, yes. And you know what else sucks? Trying what? to have these feelings while David Hasselhoff's touching your butt. Mm-hmm. Because that's what yeah, he does in this he's a little scene. bit creepy in this episode. That's why I said he's off. Well, I mean, yeah. he's always been creepy, but he feels especially more creepy. Yeah. There's a little bit more to this scene where, like you said, Mitch sort of tries to comfort her, but it's, uh, yeah, it feels a little sketch. 
and I don't love it. No. Next up, we've got Shawnee and Jill, who are in the locker room, and Shawnee is trying to comfort Jill by asking if, and I quote, Jill wants to rent a Fellini and make some spaghetti. <laughs> she says, do you like foreign movies? And Jill doesn't respond, and Shawnee's like, I like I like movies in Italian. They sound sexy, even if they look like Elmer Fudd. Yes. And I was like, how many Italian men are you meeting or seeing who look like Elmer Fudd? Uh, and are you sure you're not just like watching Pavarotti? Like, yeah. <laughs> w- like, can you tell the difference? That's mean, but like, I don't know. This scene was so odd and it felt like someone like one week out of film school wrote this line who asked, hey, we should have her ask if she wants to to rent a Fellini and make some spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I just I died laughing when Shawnee asked if Jill wants to rent a Fellini and make some spaghetti. <laughs> That's the. Uh- Oh, that's God. that's my new 2020 version of Netflix and chill is Fellini <laughs> and spaghetti. And yes, honestly, I will always call it spaghetti, not spaghetti. Honestly, if someone proposed that to me, I would have a hard time saying no. Morgan, I legit want to do that with you next week. All right, let's do it. Let's rent a Fellini, <laughs> by which I mean somehow acquire a Fellini and then legally, make some spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Le- legally acquire with my hands. A mm-hmm. Fellini. I I'm going to I've make. Ever seen a Fellini movie? I don't think I have either. I I was a bad one quarter film school <laughs> film school student. Uh, but we can make the Fellini with our hands and rent some spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. good to me. That the next scene I I want to describe this next scene. Oh, be my guest. Jill takes a walk on the beach, mm-hmm. and on this scene. <laughs> there's some there's, so the, first off there's no unfortunately there's no lyrical music in this episode at least not in my version there uh, is in my version and ooh, we are going to talk about it okay well yes there is no lyrics in mine and so this scene is just so she walks on a beach and there's some hilariously distorted voices of fred playing uh, and it's seen as a hundred percent filler. She sees some dolphins. And the only thing I could think of, and this is not an original joke because someone else I, I, I saw mention this, but I think it's funny enough to mention is she's walking down the beach and she's like thinking of the guy who died. And I can't help but imagine like the old man in an inner tube just going, it's my first time. It's my first time. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like shouting at her. And that made me very happy. <laughs> yeah it's 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 a weird scene um not my favorite absolutely my favorite <laughs> yeah we're back to hq the next day after that scene mitch and craig are talking about jill and wondering if she's okay shawnee stops by to tell them that jill is in mitch's office so mitch goes into his office with jill and craig just kind of wanders off Jill is trying to figure out what happened, since, according to her math, there's no way the body could have floated as far as it did if he just had a heart attack and drowned, so she suspects that something weird went on, and then we have a continuing theme on this show, which is that, uh, apparently the late 80s fucking sucked for mental health issues. Yes, yes, thank you. Because Mitch suggests to Jill 
that she talked to a therapist and she says, quote, I don't need to see a shrink. I haven't lost my mind just 12 seconds. Yeah, Ooh. which is a Ooh. gross oversimplification of of your of what happened. Also, you saw a man die. You should go see a therapist. Yeah, absolutely. The trauma on this show is real and none of the conversation about it yet. I think hopefully it gets better is. I hope it gets better because wow, is it depressing to watch this. Yes. But yeah, Jill is determined to figure out what happened, and Mitch is convinced it was a heart attack because Alex just had heart bypass surgery like a year ago or something like that, and that's what they put on the death certificate. But Jill points out that his arms were like flailing above his head instead of clutching his chest like they would have in the case of a heart attack, and then she kind of storms out because... Mitch is not listening to her and just being like, nope, I'm right, you're wrong, goodbye. Yeah, and then we get a shot of Jill's notes, mm -hmm. and I feel bad about this. Did you also think there's no way she wrote those notes? I can't say that I did, actually. I, I don't know, like, it's... The reason I say I, there's no way she wrote those notes is because the last time we did lifeguard math, which is happens in between geometry and pre-calc <laughs> is when Mitch did his lifeguard like exam test mm -hmm. and you know there was like one giant equation and it was solve this equation right mm -hmm. but this time we have simple math that actually seems relevant like like the math on this sheet looks relevant to what you would actually wanting to be figure and i was like no 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 there's no way a character could be right about math on this show <laughs> that's why i thought that see it's funny that you mentioned that scene because that scene is exactly the reason why this didn't strike me as weird because i did initially be like whoa they know all this like trigonometry and fluid calculation but then i was like oh right we've literally been shown this before well we we're shown that they would need to know it that's fair. But at the same time, like, like we know Craig knows how to do it. Because in the pilot, Craig was shown monitoring the riptides. Mm -hmm. So we know Craig knows how to do it. And he's a senior lifeguard. We know Mitch knows how to do it because Mitch is lieutenant. Uh, clearly, he would know. We know Captain Thorpe 100% knows how to do this. Oh, yeah. We have an inkling that Shawnee maybe knows from the pilot of her studying notes and like going over stuff which i feel like yeah she like like maybe she wasn't the best at it because she was bottom of her of her class but she like knows how to do it and eddie is apparently some sort of like genius lifeguard or something i don't know he's like the life the lifeguard that's going to take us into the next era of lifeguarding <laughs> well he was top of his class Ex exactly exactly he he was the the galaxy brained boy <laughs> that the prophecies foretold of. But like, I don't know. I guess Jill seems like she could. It's just weird thinking of these people with the way they portrayed them as doing trigonometry or math or anything really other than swimming. Yeah, that's fair. They definitely spend a lot more time in this show emphasizing that lifeguards need to be good at swimming than they do lifeguards needing to be good at trigonometry. <laughs> Which, man, we could have just called ourselves the Trigonometry Podcast. Dang. Oh, yeah. That would have gotten us all the listeners. <laughs> That's clearly what we're about. That's why we're recording a podcast about Baywatch. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What happens next? Speaking of Eddie, we cut to a scene of Eddie and a woman flirting after he heals a cut in her leg. When Fred shows up to cockblock him, Fred is dressed as a knockoff lifeguard and shows up with the intention of trying to be one. He is just kind of like generally continuing to be a shitty person and trying to tell Eddie that he should be allowed to do the job. Um, And then Eddie goes off onto the beach to monitor some more. And Fred, who has shown up with a pair of binoculars, uses them to spy directly down a woman's top. I have it that he stares directly at a woman's butt. No, it was it was definitely down her top because she was like laying down with her head facing him. Maybe they switched the scene out for the remaster and they put a butt instead of <laughs> a boob. <laughs> That'd be the weirdest remaster choice. That would be so weird. Now I want to see your version. That or I don't know what a butt looks like. <laughs> Which, I mean... And now I'm kind of leaning towards that. A butt is the thing on your arm between the upper part and the lower part, right? Uh, no, I think that's called a libido. Oh, that explains a lot. Yeah, it's 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 that thing only libs do. (laughs) (laughs) That's all the humor I got this week. I'm out. Goodbye, everyone. Oh, man. I hate myself for that joke. Oh, my Uh, God. It was a good one. It was a good one. No, it was not. Don't worry. We will not get to enjoy jokes for very much longer because next up is Jill and Derek talking about Alex's death at Derek's very fancy mansion. Which, by the way, in this scene, we get to see people dressed in a way we haven't been seeing in a while. It feels very soap opera in terms of the way that they're dressed, especially like Jill's outfit is like so different from everything else we've seen people dress in throughout this show. Uh, It was really weird to me i don't know it seemed fancy and this show is not fancy jill's outfit i definitely agree with but joanne's outfit slightly later in this episode you want to talk about melodramatic soap opera holy shit you mean the purple yeah 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 that like very extravagant anyway we'll get to it in a sec but it's a very extravagant purple dress with this like sun hat thing but yeah, yeah jill and derek are talking for a little bit and jill tells derek that she doesn't think that it's possible for Alex to have drowned the way he did. And then Joanne and Alex's nephew show up, who we will later learn is named Chuck. I call him Benedict Cumberbatch because he looks like Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, now that you mention it, I totally see that. Yeah, yeah, someone yeah. else. I watched a, a Baywatch reviewer who described him as Benedict Cumberbatch if he got stung by a bee, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's accurate. Yeah, which yeah. this He's is my a- pl- this is my plug to people if they want really sh- really short uh, distillations of Baywatch episodes to watch Baywatch Movie Nights, which is uh, a woman who's been doing this for a lot longer than us, uh, but we will probably catch up to her a lot quicker. Uh, she does these like seven minute reviews of Baywatch episodes and she had that line and I had to pause and I had to go have a good laugh cry. Yeah, no, that's very good. But yeah, if you want short Baywatch reviews, go watch that. If you want Baywatch reviews that are roughly twice the length of the episode, listen to us. Yes, that's what we're here for. (laughs) But yeah, Joanne and Chuck show up and yell at Jill about how she couldn't save Derek. 
And then Joanne tells Jill that they're going to sue her for wrongful death. And my note here says Joanna hella killed Derek. Oh, and by Derek, oh, yeah. I mean Alex. Uh, yes. <laughs> she 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 killed Derek's libido. It feels more like or possibly reignited it. What was up with that scene? Oh, my God. Still, yeah. I'm stuck on that. Ugh. It was very it was very bad when you later learn that that's his stepmother. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, it, it fits with like the majority of America's porn searches. So, I mean, that's fair. But this is 1989, so they weren't trying to predict the 2020 Pornhub, like, year in review. <laughs> yeah, back then you were still downloading, you know, 280p JPEGs over 56k dial-up and praying that no one answered the phone. I mean, what? I never would have done that. When do you think this was made? This is 1989, boy. 89 had dial-up, didn't it? I don't know. I don't know when the internet was invented. The internet was invented decades before that. When it was commercially available was not 1989. Hell, I remember when just internet commercially available was so new uh, and you could actually like download something was maybe 98, 99. Okay, yeah, I did just Google it. And the first year that dial-up was ever commercially available was 1992. But you know what? Too bad. Too bad. They're still <laughs> downloading them JPEGs. <laughs> downloading them glossy JPEGs. But back then they were probably like bitmap because they had not figured out what image compression was. That's true. But actually, I think I think technically BMP was invented after JPEG. Okay, well then maybe it was a PNG. I don't know. Who cares? Who knows? <laughs> PNG is actually even later because it was created ahem, specifically in response to the fact that JPEG was patented and thus you couldn't use it or no sorry gif that gif was patented so png was created as an alternative to gif because it didn't have a patent on it anyway this has been morgan's fucking nerd corner um <laughs> god you need a pair of glasses like me oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah absolutely keep going next up we go to another shot of jill who is going to bring more coffee and food to henry the guy who's been sleeping at her tower, but now he's wearing a wetsuit. And she asks him where he got it, and he says it washed up on the shore right next to her tower. And so Jill takes it away from him as evidence. He first says it was a gift from Neptune. Yes. Which I'm upset that he didn't say Poseidon. Uh, but that's just me being a little bit of a, you know... Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh... He also says something uh, about when she wakes him up, he mentions wondering if we're at war. And that really worried me that they were going to make this guy a war veteran. And I do not trust this show to handle that well at all. No, I don't trust this show to handle almost anything well. They handle parenting well. That's true. That's actually surprisingly true. Yes. Everything else. Uh, yeah. No. But then more Fred. Yeah, God, it sure is. Next up, we've got Eddie, who is kind of scanning the beach with his binoculars when Fred just, like, pops up from out of frame in front of the binoculars and waves in a very Forrest Gump kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to, at this point, and this is not to disparage the actor at all, but as much as we've talked about, you know, Dollar Store Dana Carvey earlier in the past as Craig, Fred very much looks like Dollar Store Tom Hanks. Hmm. At least in this scene, I feel like. 
a little bit less so in other scenes, but there were some very strong what if Tom Hanks was a much worse actor vibes in this? Maybe it's just me. <sighs> he looks like another actor, and I cannot remember the guy's name. And I'll have to find out later. Or if you want to put this episode on pause for a sec, I can find it. Sure. So Morgan and I took a little pause there, and I did a, just a little bit of uh, a little bit of googling on Jeff Altman, the actor who plays Fred. Let me tell you a few things about Jeff Altman. So first off, Jeff Altman was on The Late Night with Dave Letterman and Late Show with Dave Letterman, a combined total of 45 times, which is crazy. Yeah. He's also a drummer, which is crazy. He's also a magician. Uh, Apparently, he is uh, so good of a a magician that he's been included in books on intro to magic in regards to card tricks. What? He also has a stand-up comedy album uh, that made him famous where the cover is him pulling up his pants. And the title of this album is I'll Flip You Like a Cheese Omelette. Uh, which makes no sense to me. <laughs> um, no, if you really want an idea of what he looks like, and this is maybe just for like the indie rock nerds, uh, if anyone ever has seen the band Future Islands, uh, he looks 110% exactly like the, feud, the, the lead singer of Future Islands, Samuel Herring. Uh, which is crazy. He's just like Samuel Herring. If you like extended the like X value on his face a bit, that's uh, that's what Jeff Altman looks like. Um, so yeah, there's some weird shit here, but apparently Jeff Altman is this like famous comedian. Like, I feel like I've heard the name before, but he's influenced Jerry Seinfeld and Judd Apatow. Like there's lots of comedians who admire this guy. And it's kind of blowing my mind right now. And I feel really young that I don't know this. So I did just Google him as well. Um, and I do want to read a couple of his IMDb credits. Sure. Because I think they are great. Um, the first off, you mentioned that he influenced Jerry Seinfeld, which makes sense because he was in B movie. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I'm so happy. He was also in Dukes of Hazard. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He's in Thunder in Paradise. Yes. Oh my God. He's in the real Ghostbusters. Yes. Um, oh my God. He's in a lot of things. Yes. All right. You know what? I I'm feeling a lot better about his performance in this episode because I mentioned this. I think earlier in the episode or possibly before we started recording that I think he is doing a very good job with a very shitty character. And this really cements that for me. Yeah, I guess it does. I I guess he's, you know, like a vet. I mean, he's now like a veteran, uh, but I guess he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyone who is in B movie clearly has very good comedic timing. <laughs> <laughs> the best taste. I only, I only watch B movie. I actually had to break one of my fundamental rules uh, to watch this show because usually I only watch B movie. <laughs> Speaking of very funny lines from Fred, I do want to talk about one quick exchange from this scene that we were discussing previously where Fred shows up in front of Eddie's binoculars and tells Eddie about 
his dream to become a lifeguard that he had the night previous, which is Fred says, wacky. I think this was a message from him and points up. And Eddie says, the big lifeguard in the sky. <laughs> I, I assume that was kind of like a Beach Boys thing where the you know, Beach Boys were like, oh, my God, we don't record a, a song with God in it. And so then they were like, fuck it. We're going to do God only knows. In this case, they're just like, you know what? We don't want to say God, but we want to imply God. So we're just going to say big lifeguard in the sky to appeal to our audience. I do also want to say here. So I mentioned it earlier and I want to pay off my talking about why I think Fred actually might be a slightly better character than we're giving him credit for, even though he fucking pisses me off in every single scene that he's in in this episode. Oh, 100%. It kind of feels like, especially in this scene, though it's undercut later in the episode, that he's suffering from a little bit of PTSD about not being able to help Alex be saved, which I think is a totally reasonable and valid way to feel, except yes. that later it gets very heavily undercut by the rest of this episode. And we'll we'll talk about that later. But it's why yep. I was a little bit more sympathetic towards him for maybe the next like 20 minutes of this episode before the writing just like completely wrecks that. I I'm totally with you there. After I saw this scene, I was I was pretty into Fred for a little while and I thought, okay, so maybe there's going to be something, you know, really, a really good turnaround here. And then, no, there's not. No, there is super not. But the last little bit of this scene is that a woman shows up and says she's not feeling well and asks Fred if he's a lifeguard and then basically indicates that she has heat stroke. And he says that, yes, he's a lifeguard and she faints in his arms and he's just real creepy towards her. Which is, I mean, it's never good, but especially if this woman is, like, literally sick and fainting in your arms, the fact that he's, like, kind of lecherous towards her just, ooh, did not sit well. It's not done in a way where, like, he was, you know, when he was, like, looking at binoculars through some body part that starts with a B, but we don't know what, <laughs> or boob, uh, just the double Bs there, uh, the double B, B movie. It was <laughs> it was foreshadowed. <laughs> oh my god, we figured out his career. Thanks, A Watch. So it's not like that. Mm -hmm. It's more that she comes up. He he's really confused and clearly like very proud of himself. And then she just collapses in his arm, and he kind of like she falls into like onto his arm. And he's like, oh god. Uh, it is it's creepy, but it's also like oh shit like someone just collapsed and yeah. it would be have been interesting if they showed more of that scene but instead what we're left left with is it's kind of creepy and lecherous and we never address it ever again mm -hmm. i think you could have played it off as him just dealing with the fact that someone fainted in his arms if he hadn't been so fucking creepy in the rest of this episode Oh, yeah, no, that's that's what I mean. Like, they should have had other stuff. They really want us to like Fred, which they don't. Mm -hmm. uh, they should have had a longer scene. Also, I do want to propose that if the two of us ever become shock jocks, we should have a segment on our show called Boobs or Butt. <laughs> no. No, 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 I cannot allow this. Also, I we have determined I don't know the difference, so I would fail at this scene. Right. So that would be so the way I imagine the segment is that every week I would come to you with 
someone else's recorded description of either boobs or a butt, and then you would have to tell me based on that description which one it is. And then in return, we do a segment where I show you pictures of two women, and you have to tell me the difference between them. (laughs) I have to tell you which one is Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's always like, okay, so here's a picture of Angelina Jolie, here's a picture of Jill. Here's a picture of random woman on the street, here's a picture of Jill. Which one is Jill? And you'd be like, I have no fucking clue, man. (laughs) You joke, but I feel like I would do worse at that than you would hope. Would you do worse than me in boobs or butt? Only one way to find out. Oh, God. (laughs) It's our shock jock career starting. (laughs) This episode has taught us so much about the future. It sure has. Oh. God. Please cut to the next scene. <laughs> sure. Next up, we've got Garter and Mitch. They've got the wetsuit that Henry was wearing earlier. And Garner went down to the wetsuit store and pulled a list of everyone who had bought them in the last six months. And it turns out Derek is one of the only people who had bought a wetsuit from the wetsuit store in the last six months. <laughs> Times are hard in the summer. Nobody wants to be near water. Yeah, I guess so. The writing on this show, man, it really, uh, it really, it has some hills and it has some valleys. It's, it's written like a, like a B movie from 1989. Like, mm-hmm. let's be real. Not a B movie from 2017 or 2007, but a B movie from 1989. Oh, no, no. That B movie it knows its wetsuits. <laughs> it knows its wetsuit stores. I think. I don't know. Should we watch B-Movie? Oh, God. Do we have to? Do we want to record us talking about B-Movie? I mean, if we're going to watch it, we have to record it. Yeah, kind of. Okay, we'll do it. The rest of this scene is Mitch basically realizing that he also now agrees with Jill that something other than a heart attack killed Alex. Um, Derek shows up to talk to Jill and tells her that they're dropping the lawsuit as Jill creates a very, very detailed diorama of the crime. And by crime, I mean Alex Drowning, but it's very clearly a crime. Yeah, Let's be honest. She has, she has little umbrellas, yeah. which totally tells me that she either she started the task, got way too into it, or got too bored and had to do something interesting to get her focus back on the right track. I gotta say, honestly, either of those scenarios, though, I've been there. I get it. Yeah, that's my point. Like, I know where this woman is coming from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to make yourself little umbrellas to finish your murder diorama. Yeah, absolutely. But Derek asks what she's doing, and Jill says that she's recreating the scene of the drowning. And Derek goes, you don't think I did it right because I didn't. And it was the (laughs) most suspicious thing I have ever fucking seen. Yep. And then immediately transitions into, we should go out for lunch, which Jill accepts. She's interested. She thinks he's hot. I mean, uh, objectively, he is very hot. But also, at this point, she's... I guess she, as we learn later in this episode, is actually the one defending him. From having killed his dad, but like, it kind of feels like, hey, maybe he killed his dad. Maybe you should not go on a date with him. I thought this whole thing was going to lead to her actually 
like using him and just going on these dates to get information out of him and to like investigate him, but it doesn't. I'm glad it didn't. I I'm like 50-50 on it. I think it would have been a better piece of character development for Jill if that had been what had happened. I disagree 100%. Well, because it would have shown her actually like being confident and involved as opposed to her being a background character all the time. Okay, so I think what would have happened is if they decide to just go on these dates to use Derek to just get more information, it would have established Jill as a character who is so obsessed with her trauma in a way that I do not trust this show to write a woman specifically. That's a good point. But also that she would have come off as there's really no way to say this other than just like a total piece of shit. Like she would have come off as if Mitch had done it, let's say, let's say he switched the roles. This was Mitch. This is just a man doing it. He would have been viewed far more positively than she would be doing that. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. And they would absolutely make light of her, like wasting his time breaking his heart or something like that absolutely i think it's a lot better that she's interested because it shows us that she actually is a normal person who like you know wants to be in a relationship or like is attracted to this guy who's showing her attention who's who's hot i think it it did more for her character especially in a show from 1989 to have her do that than to be single-mindedly focused on dealing with her trauma. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I hadn't really considered the angle of it meaning that she was just becoming a one-dimensional character focused on her trauma, but also it would have given her something to do in this episode, which she desperately needs. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, we cut to a montage of Jill and Derek on a date while there's a very weird voiceover where Derek... Again, very much hints that it was his fault that his dad died because he keeps talking about how the only reason his dad even got open heart surgery is because Derek forced him to, because otherwise he would have been too stubborn to get it. God, if I go if I go on another OK Cupid date where my date just <laughs> talks about how their dad died, I'm just gonna lose it. Oh my god. Sheesh. Come on, Derek. Get something else to talk about other than your dead fucking dad. I know. It's been a whole like twenty-four hours at this point. Like, why the hell aren't you over it by this point? Right, I know. And clearly he's having a great time because he showed them smiling and laughing, and he's clearly not crying inside. Mm-hmm. It did very much, at least to me, feel like this was Derek trying to convince Jill that he didn't kill his dad, even though he definitely did. Right. But as it turns out, he actually didn't. So, uh, yeah. Spoilers. I know, I know. Spoilers for, like, 45 minutes from now. Um... Next up, we've got a scene of Garner showing up to Mitch's place with a pizza, and they banter about anchovies for a while, which I'm I'm curious, what are your feelings on anchovies on pizza? Uh, hmm. So, <laughs> I'm, they're a little, a little really salty, and by a little really salty, I mean a lot salty. 
and they're a little slimy. That's fair. I like, oh God, did I just mess up sardines and anchovies? Holy shit. People totally eat wood-smoked anchovy, right? Or is that wood-smoked sardine? I have no idea. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Oh my God, I have to recover this because I am from Seattle. (laughs) Holy crap. Wood smoke. You mean wood smoke salmon? No. No, 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 no. Oh, I mean sardines. I don't mean anchovies. Okay. I, I like wood smoke sardines, which are different from anchovies. Anchovies are just basically the... Remember when you were a kid? And this is like a very 90s, 2000s kind of memory. You would see these like uh, public access documentaries where they would show you what it looks like when something zoomed in with a microscope. Uh, I didn't have TV, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, but like, in, oh, also you didn't go to a normal school. Sure. Uh. Okay. Did you ever, <laughs> eat, so you never, okay. So, but you've seen like videos of something where they zoom in on something. Yes. Like yes. Uh, a microscope and you see all these things like wriggling around, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, ew, that's what's in things. That's basically what an anchovy is. You look at it and you're just like, ew, <laughs> that's on that? You're like, it's the parasite of the sea. Mm-hmm. That's the MRSA of the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, everyone knows anchovies are the metaphor for capitalism of the sea. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> kind of. Um, <laughs> and I don't want any capitalist pizza. I only get my pizza from wood smoked communist pizza joints. <laughs> uh, actually, Honestly, my. being in Seattle. There's a very good chance that you might not be wrong about that. No, absolutely not. But what I prefer is much more like the Upper East Coast main uh, socialist monarchy pizza restaurants. Those are those are my jams because it's just like, yeah, we uh, this pizza costs 48 bucks, but also cures all of your covid. And it's like, oh, thanks. (laughs) That's a joke about how much taxes are <laughs> in Scandinavian countries. Everyone knows that uh, Murray Book Chin's Vermont pizza is the best pizza. I have no reference for that. He is the founder of modern American anarchism. That shows you how much I care for anarchy. <laughs> I I work I work for the man. I am not I am not uh anarchist that's fair but you know what does go well with pizza unlike anarchism is apparently sunny d and chocolate milk because that is what mitch pulls out of the fridge it is so fucking weird he has a giant full jug of orange juice and Garner has a full thing of Nesquik chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. There's this meme going around Twitter right now where they ask people to dip pizza in milk, uh, which, okay, that's already, uh, I mean. Oh, that's bad. No, as a as the New Yorker on this show, no, that's bad. That's a crime, and you're not allowed to do that. I would, I would, I would eat it. There are two wolves inside of me. One is for prison reform. <laughs> And one is for throwing everyone who dips pizza in milk into prison. (laughs) 
You okay? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! It's hard to breathe. Oh god! Oh! Oh my god! Wow. Okay. Now my eyes are watering. My nose is a little stuffy. Oh boy. Oh Morgan, that got me good. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh. Wow. Okay. So. Uh. Yep. Yeah. Please tell me where we're at. I don't even remember now. <laughs> yeah, Mitch and Garner finish up their classic pizza scene where they drink chocolate milk and <laughs> that's where we're at a gallon of sunny d he just like straight up grabs it by the handle and just slams <laughs> a gallon of sunny d and it's oh man it made me want some sunny d but it also didn't make me want it with pizza no no i actually kind of want to try chocolate milk with pizza and i know it's going to upset you but i want to try it just <laughs> once I, I I don't want to go to prison, but I do want to try new food experiences. I'll have to take you to New York sometime so you can experience. I've been to New York. I don't. I don't. I've been to New York. I thought you were going to say you're going to take me to New York so some douchebag could beat me up <laughs> as I drink milk with pizza. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Morgan. Some friend you are. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see what else is next. So Garner says Mitchell. I hate it when you gloat. Your eyes pop out your head and your nose turns up funny, which is just <laughs> a weird, on top of the Sunny D chocolate milk pizza scene, is already a weird sentence. But then Garner says that Derek stood to inherit $18 million mm-hmm. if his dad died. And Derek says he thinks the guy is guilty. While he's doing that, it has Garner talking over Jill and Derek making out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my note here, I didn't write down the exact lines, but it's Mitch and Garner narrate how Derek totally did it while Jill and Derek make out. So it's how Derek totally did it while Jill and Derek totally do it. (laughs) Yes. There you go. Exactly. Cut to more Fred. Yeah, sure is. Next up, we're back to the headquarters the next morning. Fred shows up in the locker room and Shawnee yells at him about how Eddie's not there. Shawnee, by the way, is in a electric yellow outfit. And it, it was just like, oh, yeah, excuse me. What what are you bringing onto the scene? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fred. Fred's there and gets chastised by Shawnee, but doesn't do anything um he looks at a map of the beach and then steals another lifeguard's bag and fucking there's like 20 other lifeguards in this locker room and not a single one of them notice or say anything which okay sure why not look they sp- they spent all that time on trick and they forgot to spend any time on like field reporting <laughs> when you put all your points into intelligence and none of them in wisdom yeah, pretty much that's another D joke that's not even that much of a D joke that's just like an rpg joke at that point i mean it started with D, so it is objectively a D joke isn't that like a logical fallacy right there <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe. I also put all my points into intelligence instead of wisdom, so. Anyways, <laughs> they cut to them showing Derek uh, with the wetsuit, mm-hmm. uh, which he says was stolen. They then question Derek. And Dar- Derek rightly says that he was in the sauna when Trevor told him about his dad. So, unlikely timeline-wise, uh, Derek then has the line of the century. Oh my god, yes, I have this written down too, but if you have it written down, be my guest. If you're going to accuse me of my father's death, you better have something more to go on than a lot of wet assumptions. I cannot stress enough how hard he hits the word wet, as if the phrase wet assumptions is fucking anything. It's nothing. (laughs) It's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense, and it makes me angry. I love it. It makes me the opposite of angry. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Maybe I do like this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, it's so nonsense. It's so clearly an actor being like, I don't have anything that I can do in this scene, so I am just going to fucking ham it up. To steal a joke from a much better podcast, which is Blank Check, this actor is swimming in the river of ham right now, and I love it. But also, it's so fucking bad. It's so dumb, and I don't understand why you would stress the word wet in the phrase, you better have more to go on than a lot of wet assumptions. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> you know why, right? I have no idea. Because wet suit. I mean, I guess, but that doesn't that doesn't make it better. Uh, the whole scene is a it, it does if you view this as a comedy. So, this whole scene is about a wet suit, so then he says, "Morgan, Morgan, I'm nudging you right now. <laughs> wet assumptions?" Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's this show is a comedy. Mhm. Yeah, this is the real, uh, Baywatch is the real Commedia dell'arte. The next scene also has an amazing line, uh, if you, if you have it written down. Oh, believe me, I do. Which is that Jill and Mitch are going to go investigating in the water, but Garner is just not having it because, and I quote, I don't go in the water unless it's hot, soapy, and Aretha is keeping me company on the radio. Okay, so... you're going to love this. Yes. So I have subtitles on mine. Yeah. And the subtitles say, I don't go in the water unless it's hot, soapy, and the reef is keeping me coming on the radio. And I was like, like, like the reefer? Like, are you just smoking a joint? And like, why is it on the, why is the reefer on the radio? And I was so confused by this. I was like, maybe like it's, it's that he's afraid of the water. So he has someone like calling him in to say like, don't worry, you're good. You're still alive. I was so confused. Aretha makes a lot more sense. Sure does. (laughs) Did you literally not know that that's what he was saying until just now? Yes. That is amazing. (laughs) I did not know. It blew my mind. Next up, we've got some more Fred, in case y'all aren't sick of him yet, where he calls bass from a payphone and pretends to be Eddie, because Eddie, earlier, we didn't talk about this because it doesn't matter, says he's going to be on vacation this day. So Fred asks for Tower 24, which he knows is Eddie's tower, and Sid gives it to him. Well, 
what happens is Fred calls it with a horrible fake accent. Mm-hmm. And he, he talks like this. And he gets really low because Eddie has a lower voice. And he goes, I'm, uh, yeah, sorry. Like, uh, 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 you know, my voice is really hoarse. I had a concert last night. Specifically, he says, I spent a bunch of time yelling at the ball game last night. Oh, yeah, it's a ball game. <laughs> Uh, and then Sisig gives him a tower, and Fred is then seen trying to use binoculars while he has sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole next scene is just Fred kind of being a dick. He goes up to a couple of guys and just, like, pours out their beer and starts yelling at them and says, according to regulation 23.B, I can't uh, initiate uh, uh, physical force. Uh uh, excuse me, Morgan. Mm-hmm. He says statute 45B of the lifeguard <laughs> manual prohibits him from physical force, but 45C gives him permission to respond to it. So you know what I'm saying, which is uh, his final line in that scene, which, yes. ooh, ooh, man, it's bad writing. I mean, Fred is doing doing God's work with whatever they've given him. Oh, God. Next up, we've got Joanne and Chuck in Mitch's office while Garner interrogates them. It turns out that if Alex dies, Joanna and Derek get the whole company instead of it being sold off, as we learned it was about to be in the initial business scene on the beach. And Alex's nephew, Chuck, tells Garner as he leaves that Joanna has a scuba certification, so Garner should really be looking into Joanna, which seemed on brand at the time, because I thought Derek and Joanna had killed Alex. But as it turns out, this doesn't make a fucking lick of sense. It also, it's a weird scene, because it also um, establishes Chuck as saying that he he wouldn't have done it, because... No matter what, his job is secure. Right, right. Yeah, either way, he's going to be the VP of textiles or something like that. Textiles? What? What do they do? Are they a wetsuit business? I have no idea. I feel like at one point they say that it's an oil business, and then later they seem to imply that it's a clothing or fabric business. Like an olive oil business or a crude oil business? <laughs> like a crude oil business was what I got from it. The textile part of a crude oil. Okay. Sure. I mean, so I guess arguably, if we're going to go back to Morgan's nerd corner for a second, crude yeah. oil is used in the production of plastics and plastics yes. are used in um, polyester so, in theory, they could be doing both, but I feel like it's much more just like one of those amorphous business things that were so lucky. Because this is Baywatch, and they didn't think that hard. Like, I, I know where you're coming from, but I was like, yeah, I could make the connection as well, but this is Baywatch. They didn't need to put... This is... It's like... I think it's that scene in, in South Park where... Uh, they tell one character or, or like one character here is like bicycle and he's like bicycle. What, what, what does bicycle have on it? Two wheels. You know what else had two wheels? And he goes like on this tangent and he's like, what is this, 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 this. And he eventually gets <laughs> to like man, bear pig. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, it's, they're not trying to do that here. They're just like, it's a business. 
Yeah. It does a business. It's more BoJack Horseman-y where it's like, I, you know, I went to, I went to the building today and I did a business and they're up 75% (laughs) business. It felt very RoboCop to me where it's just, there's this amorphous business that is the antagonist. Yes, exactly. Next up, we've got some more Fred, our (laughs) continuing favorite character from this episode where he comes across a kid who is sitting in one of those, like, pool toys that's, like, a floaty version of the Loch Ness Monster. But the kid is, what would you say, maybe five feet, ten feet from the water. And Fred sees this kid sitting in the inflatable toy, just, you know, being a kid and having fun, and goes... You can't be in an inflatable toy. That's against the rules. And deflates the toy and walks away. Yeah, he's a he's a dick. I guess it's payoff for earlier in the episode where we foreshadowed that inflatables are banned on the beach. <laughs> well, it's not the first time that we've that we've heard that. True. This is actually a multi-episode payoff. So really, if you think about it, J.J. Abrams is actually the producer of Baywatch. Where is my power ski payoff? <laughs> Where is my goddamn no, like, hanging on the edge of the pier while smoking an unlit cigarette? Lori, what were you doing? Where is all of my payoffs? I mean, we've still got seasons and seasons to go, not even to mention the spinoff shows. So you never know. They could pay it off. Uh, is B-Movie a Baywatch spinoff? In my headcanon, yes. And that's the headcanon I want to live in. Awesome. Next up, we've got Craig, who shows up to Tower 24, and he's looking for Eddie, but Eddie is obviously not there. It's a real short scene, and then we cut to Jill and Mitch, who are going scuba diving. I didn't realize this was Jill and Mitch at first. I thought this was Derek and Joanne, but it turns out it is not. Um, they go and retrieve what looks like... Wow, you are bad with people. Oh my god. Real bad. Just real bad. Um, it doesn't help that I'm watching this in, like I mentioned, I think last episode of the episode before, watching this in 480p, so everyone just kind of looks like vaguely colorful blobs, um, especially because I'm watching this on 4K monitors, so, you know, but they... Yeah. They find and retrieve what looks like a dress in a dry cleaning bag but we later find out is actually the rest of what I have written down as Derek's gear, but actually will turn out to be someone else's gear. Ooh, spooky. Spooky. Next up, Eddie shows up at headquarters, and Sid is very confused because he thought Eddie was on Tower 24 already because of the phone call earlier from Fred, and then Sid realizes that Something's up, so they run off. Next up, Fred tries to make a rescue because someone is sort of drowning. Dude's like... He screams help. He does, but he's like two feet into the water. So, like... Assistance in swimming, please. Yeah, exactly. I I don't want to shame anyone who's bad at swimming because I am extremely bad at swimming. I had a pool for a number of years growing up. I am extremely fucking bad at swimming. Um, this dude was not drowning at all. I, 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 uh, basically drowned while learning to swim. I stepped off of a, uh, a board that was in the training pool 
at the children's hospital I was at, uh, and uh, I passed out, and they had to resuscitate me. Holy shit. Yeah, actually, the the person running the class didn't notice I was there. Holy it was just shit. This one kid who I had sort of, lo- lo- really long story, not not content for this podcast, but he he had gotten to know me, and he was like, where's Michael? Uh, and this is not a big board, but like, he's like, where's Michael? And he was like, oh, I'll do it. And I'm like, you're learning to swim, and you just saved me. So he like saves me, brings me back up, and the teacher uh, apparently had said, oh, didn't notice he was missing. Wow, that's not great. No. No, 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 it's not. But you know what is great? Shawnee. Yes. Because Shawnee saves Fred. Yeah, she does. She, thankfully, happens to be right near Fred as he is failing to save the guy who is supposedly drowning. And the guy manages to walk his own way up onto the beach while Shawnee has to save Fred because, and I quote my notes here, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he is. Uh, Next up, we've got a very brief scene where Jill and Mitch resurface with the rest of Derek's gear because it turns out that what they rescued was Derek's gear. And by Derek, I also mean the secretive killer who I will talk about slightly later, but my notes say Derek. And Jill accuses Derek of murdering his father, but sort of not really. It's a little unclear whether she actually believes that or not. And he responds with, how could you? Mm-hmm. I love my father, and then just walks away. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got a scene of Fred, who is in Mitch's office. And it turns out Fred has a history of impersonating various things that he is not. One of them yep. being... A fireman in Fresno, which is my band name, if I ever start a band. Mm -hmm. And then Mitch tells Fred that he's going to call the cops on Fred. And Fred says, but wait, I'll do your taxes for a very reasonable fee. And Mitch gives him a stink eye. And Fred says, I'll do your taxes for free. And he knows the tax loopholes. Mm -hmm. Because Fred is a con man. Maybe he's also just like, you know having some mental problems, uh, as seems to be indicated by the rest Possibly. of the episode. Mitch says, there's, uh, there's, this scene is a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. at one point, Mitch says that, or Fred says, nobody got hurt. And Mitch says, Fred almost got killed for kissing a guy's wife. Mm-hmm. Fred asserts it was CPR. Mitch says, she wasn't drowning, she was sunbathing, which is, Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch also says later that Fred told him that he worked in a nursery and was a tree surgeon, uh, which is <laughs> very specific. Uh, I don't know why tree surgeon is something you'd want to like impersonate if I was going to like impersonate, you know, like heroes of America, you know, the lifeguard, the physicist. The the Marine. I I feel like lifeguard would have been like a 1920s like propaganda job. You know what I mean? Where just like, look how he protects he protects our waters from I don't know the Soviets and <laughs> the the Axis. No Axis power is going to show up on our beach. 
when the lifeguard protects it. Um, and then they're going to realize that all the lifeguards wear red and they're like, red, that's the cover. That's the color of the axis power. And, and they're like, no, they're all going to be white, just white trunks. Mm-hmm. The power of America. Uh, and then they realize like in this alternate universe I just created that's also maybe like, um, Oh God. Now I'm already messing up the joke. Who's the guy? Oh, Alan Moore. It's kind of like an <laughs> Alan Moore esque, like alternate universe I just created here. Ooh. It's all based on the idea that they didn't wear red shorts. Uh, and that changed the society like a hundred manifold. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, instead, what happens is that as we reach the mid 2000s, people realize that the lifeguard job itself is inherently racist mm-hmm. because it's establishing itself as having white trunks and white trunks depicting the power of a pure American spirit. But really, the pure American spirit is defined as uh, racially intolerant um, and promoting white values more and more. Uh, and then it turns into something kind of like the... Uh, Spoilers for something people may have actually not watched. Uh, I'm going to give everybody here a moment before their minds are blown about the Watchmen series. Mm-hmm. Here, we'll, we'll, throw in, we'll throw in an air horn. Wah, 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 wah. And then we'll throw in another air horn, a pause, and an air horn afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is in the most, in the new Watchmen series, the whole point of it is about racial injustice and the KKK and it cuts back. Have you watched it? Oh God. Yes. I loved that show. I think it was easily one of the best shows I've watched in a long time. I think the episode where they do the flashback, the full flashback episode is maybe it's controversial. I think it's one of the, maybe my top three episodes of television ever period. It is. If you have not seen it and you don't mind spoilers, watch the show. Watched episode. I think it's num- episode six mm-hmm. or seven in there, and it is maybe the most powerful and moving piece of media I have ever watched in my life because it depicts it depicts the racial injustice against an African American man by a white society who doesn't trust him uh, as he tries to become a policeman mm-hmm. and realizes that the police themselves are corrupt from the inside, which fair uh (laughs) yeah as it turns out in 2020 uh in case anyone wasn't aware uh police are fucking bad and you shouldn't trust them exactly uh and so in my alan moore fan fiction erotica uh, (laughs) what happens is that they realize that you know lifeguards are systematically racist uh and that all of the famous lifeguards we've seen are either Aryan, extremely Aryan, or just like well-off rich white people. So in, in this in this series, uh, the 2017 Baywatch movie still exists uh, with the same cast because in the 2017 Baywatch movie, Mitch is played by Dwayne Johnson, uh, oh, which is, yeah, yeah, no, he, Mitch is... A person of color, which is crazy. Yeah. So, wow that uh, that really casts him in a different light. I am super curious to watch the movie now. It it's gonna suck. 
Well, it's going to be focused on like the middle seasons of Baywatch with a lot of the sexy stuff. Uh, as I mentioned, I think in the pilot episode, um, they unfortunately take the whole like Alexander Daddario and True Detective and run with it as Alexander Daddario has boobs and is in our Baywatch movie uh, kind of thing, which is unfortunate because she's actually a decent actress. Uh, and instead, what they just do is from the reviews I've read, it's they don't let her act. They let her exist, uh, which mm, you, you could write something better than that. Anyways, in my in my fiction, Dwayne Johnson now has to uh, infiltrate the inner workings of the American lifeguard institution as being the face of lifeguarding, realizing that he, a person of color, is is establishing himself as the logo for a white-dominated race to feel okay with the fact that there's one non-white person they feel safe around. And so he dismantles lifeguarding and then has them transition to a red suit, uh, thus establishing the lifeguards as one communist because communism is right. Um, but also that, uh, I also don't necessarily agree with that completely because politics is complicated and confusing, but they establish it as something not racist anymore. Mm -hmm. It is potentially still racist, but not a symbol of racism. And then you flash forward to 2020 and now we're in 2020 a 2020 where COVID doesn't exist because lifeguards have actually destroyed (laughs) COVID because lifeguards are also scientists. Uh, They're actually virologists. Well, they have become, they have become true lifeguards. Oh, well, yes, yes. So you see the red symbolizes the blood in all of us. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and how they wear the blood of America on their legs mm-hmm. to remind them of the fact that they are there to protect us from yeah. all things. Well, they've already they've already got the blue of the water and the white of the surf. So really, when you think about it, what's more patriotic? Mm. <laughs> Probably pizza, <laughs> pizza and chocolate milk. True. But, true. But I think in this case, what happens is that they dismantle the army. Dismantle Marines. Mm-hmm. They dismantle the Navy. They don't dismant- dismantle the Signal Corps or the Air Force mm-hmm. uh, because lifeguards need to kind of be grounded mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. But they replace all of those. We don't need men with arms anymore. We have lifeguards. Mm-hmm. They're the most common occupation becomes the lifeguard. There are millions upon millions upon millions of lifeguards because America actually is now a seven billion person nation. Mm-hmm. Um, most of those live in North and South Dakota because that's where all the free space is. Uh, <laughs> there's some pockets in like Wisconsin, but uh, most of that is bison. Um, I feel like, or, I feel like New Mexico can fit a solid number of people in it at this point. Fuck New Mexico. Sorry for anybody who's from New Mexico <laughs> and proud of their state, but New Mexico is a shite place to live in. It's hot and it's going to kill you. South Dakota, at least you can just put on some more clothes and you're fine. Oh yeah. No, I think, uh, I think that's a fair assessment to wrap it all up. Even because we still have more episode to wrap it all up, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is going to save America from institutionalized racism. Absolutely. And I have one question for you, Morgan. Yes. Can you smell 
what the rock is cooking. <laughs> I can't do his thing. I sure can. The next scene is Jill and Derek grilling. Wait, is it? It sure is. Oh, okay. Well, perfect. The rock can <laughs> smell meat. Um, yeah, we've got Jill and Derek on another date, and they are grilling. And there's been a plot line mentioned earlier a couple of times in this episode that I didn't think was going to be relevant, but it turns out is relevant, where Jill has a tape from this guy, Lloyd. Who is the couple I really hate. Lloyd is the guy with the energy at the beginning yep. of the episode. Which we find out during this scene that it's Lloyd and Ellie who are the couple in this scene. Fucking old people. Yeah. I hope I never become one. Right? I know. I hope I stay youthful forever. As As the greatest poets of our generation said... I'd rather die young than fade away. Um, what? It's a, Greatest poets? Oh, my God. It's a fucking... What the hell? Uh, we're going to take another Google break. That should be a segment I, as well. I do think our Google break should be a segment. I, I don't think taking time to Google something should really be something that takes away from a podcast. Uh, what I actually meant was it's better to burn out than fade away. And it is from, uh, oh God, what the hell? Uh, from Def Leppard, from Rock of okay. Ages. So you've already messed this up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, anyway, we're going to get back to the episode because I don't want to stew in that any longer. <laughs> I can't remember if I saw Rock of Ages or Spam a lot. I think <laughs> I saw Spam a lot. Oh my God. I have, I have mm, many thoughts if you can't tell those two apart. Uh, well, no, 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 no. It's just, I can't remember which one I went to. I just remember, the only thing I remember is I went with my friend Andrew. I, I, I don't, I, I just don't have a good memory of the night, but I do remember them doing the scene where they like, first they do like, we have a Jew song <laughs> and then they find, they get a person from the audience and the guy's name was Jeffrey Weinberg. And they were like, are you by chance Jewish? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, we have our Jew. Ooh. And I was like, wow, this feels racist. Yeah, that's not great. Don't love And that's that. spam a lot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It was also the week before the, the Super Bowl where the Seahawks first won because they incorporated 12th man flags into spam a lot. I, I don't know what 12th man is related Wait, to you, but... Oh, okay, no, whoa, 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 we're stopping right here. <laughs> this is important. So, I, I sometimes forget you're not from Seattle and you don't follow sports. Uh, now, granted, I don't follow a lot of sports, but I do follow football. Uh, so, the Seahawks, their thing is the crowd and the audience is called the 12th man. Ah. So, you'll see these signs around town that have a giant 12 on it. You've probably seen it, you just haven't paid attention to it. Could be. It's uh, it's very iconic, and that's why a lot of people have jerseys with the number twelve on it. Mm -hmm. So, hence they were we were really excited because the last time we had been in the Super Bowl was I think two thousand two, maybe or I think maybe it was two thousand. No, 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 I, no. It was, I will trust whatever like, you say. I think it's actually like 2005 or 2006. So it had been some time. And the Seahawks were like the worst team in football for a long, long time. Like the worst. And then all of a sudden we were like doing good. And so even your your 
mock-ups of medieval times plays were like, oh, yes, let's include a football reference to get the <laughs> crowd going, because they are bored as fuck of this play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, you know what I'm not bored as fuck of? This show. Keep going. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great. Trying to remember where I was. <laughs> it's been a month. Yeah, so they watch the show. <laughs> they get the VHS. They get the VHS. Uh, right, 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 right. Yes. Oh God, yes. Yeah, we finally find out who Lloyd is because Jill brought the most recent tape that Lloyd brought her from his and Ellie's vacation on the beach. So. Jill dumps out her entire bag because she's trying to find matches for Derek to be able to light up the barbecue and finds the tape. And Derek, like, very weirdly is like, oh, no, no, no. We are watching this tape right now, which was it's pretty abusive, super sketchy and abusive. Yeah, exactly. It's what made me really think that he had killed Alex until um, about 30 seconds from now. Where Chuck comes down the stairs while Jill and Derek are. He comes the down tape. the stairs and calls him Derricky. Yeah, which already I was Ugh. like, oh fuck this guy. Oh no, that, that's worse than Mikey. Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. No one is. No one is even nicknamed Derricky. That's not a thing. The only person who's ever been nicknamed Derricky is. I, I had a joke here, <laughs> but it wasn't good because there's nobody who's ever been nicknamed Derricky. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jill and Derek are watching this tape, and it's just like, you know, old New York couple footage from the 80s until suddenly we see Chuck show up in the background of one of the shots, and he's clearly out of breath and running. He, he emerges from the water. And this is apparently proof that he murdered Alex because all of a sudden Derek like turns to Chuck and shoots him a glance. And then Chuck throws a fucking crystal decanter at Derek's head and knocks Derek out. Crystal decanter. I just said a vase. Oh, it might have been a vase. I honestly. Vase, crystal decanter, you know. Honestly, by this point, I wasn't paying super much attention Um, up until up until this tape. When Chuck showed up, uh, at which point I was like, oh, this is legitimately good writing. Like, I've made jokes on this show about how, like, oh, yeah, that's real good writing. But no, this was actually legitimately good writing. Like, especially the scene earlier in the show where Chuck tells Garner about the fact that Joanne had gotten her scuba certificate earlier in the year as a gift from Alex made me really think that Chuck knew that Derek and Joanne had orchestrated Alex's murder and that he was innocent and trying to, you know, come out ahead by telling the cops about it. The fact that he mm-hmm. ended up being the person who murdered Alex genuinely shocked me. And that was where I texted you, oh shit, actually, I love this episode. Oh, really? That's when you said it? Oh, okay. I was expecting it to be like, or actually, I don't know what I expected it to be. <laughs> Because the rest of this... uh, So let me describe a little bit more of this scene, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you something I hate about this. So Jill then runs away, and Chuck chases her. She runs into the water, which is where you would normally run to get away from people, right? No. Uh, Run on the beach. Like, continue running. I don't know why she went into the water. 
Like, what is she? It doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't. No. And so then Chuck is chasing Jill in the water, trying to swim after her. And he got flippers on uh, and thus is faster than her and mm-hmm. uh, is able to catch up. Uh, and then they start fighting a little bit and then he starts pretending to drown. But it was a ruse. I love that. He, I love that exchange so much. It's so dumb and it's so good. It it it, it does appeal to my. I I love it. It's so dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he tries to drown her, and then they fight underwater, and then he sort of drowns, and she brings him back to the surface. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there was a there must have been a better way to do this scene. Like I, I don't know. Like yeah, there's got to there's got to been some better idea yeah uh it was not great but i do i do briefly want to talk about next episode because as a brief spoiler i accidentally watched the first two-thirds of the next episode because the source where i was watching these episodes had them mislabeled so it turns out i actually watched most next episode and actually this particular thematic element will get paid off next episode as a little teaser for everyone oh Okay, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. That's uh, okay. Yeah. And you were like, next episode sucks. I, so I only, again, I only watched two thirds of it. It was setting up a ton of stuff at 30 minutes in with only 15 minutes to go. And it's totally possible that it pays all of them off. And if it does, I think it might be the best episode we've seen so far. Um, But if it doesn't pay them off, it's going to be really dumb. So that's a little teaser for next episode. But yeah, the okay. the rest of this episode is basically, as you mentioned, Chuck kind of tricks Jill into thinking that he's drowning. So Jill goes into lifeguard mode and tries to save him. And then Chuck tries to drown Jill. And then Jill ends up drowning Chuck. And the, all of this happens just as Mitch and Garner show up because Fred earlier in this scene did the one useful and not shitty thing he did in this entire episode, which was radio for help. Yep. Mitch and Garner show up because of that. And Mitch pulls Chuck out of the water and Garner helps Jill. And this has my personal favorite exchange of this entire episode. And I think I may have said that earlier in the episode, but this is genuinely my favorite, which is that Jill Mm -hmm. says, thanks Garner. I'm touched. And Garner says, touched? I didn't do anything. And Jill says, the water, Garner. This is no bathtub. And Garner says, damn, as it cuts away. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That line's actually pretty good. I, I That's pretty cool. I, I love the line, the water, Garner. This is no bathtub. It's, it's very it's good. It's better than that line a few episodes ago, uh, Shawnee talking about, medium rare steak but it reminds me of that Mm -hmm. i I do like this show having like near end of episode one-liners i think those are fantastic Uh, but we have one more scene well we have like two more scenes really like mitch apologizes for doubting jill Mm -hmm. okay but we have another scene yeah i love this scene in part because the first shot of this scene is an absolutely gorgeous mint condition british racing green mg midget which is an unfortunate name in the year 2020, but is a beautiful sports car from the 1980s. But I assume that is not why you highlighted this scene. I highlighted this scene because it exists. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
basically all I had to do was say, wow, there's a scene. Okay, let's talk about mm-hmm. it. The final part of this scene is that Mitch is walking out to his Jeep and notices he's getting a parking ticket and runs up to the parking inspector and says, hey, wait, I've got a quarter. As Fred turns around and reveals that he is the parking inspector. Ha 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 ha. His whole thing is that he impersonates other jobs. What the fuck is this character? And it ends with Mitch saying, wow, Fred, you really need help. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, what did you what did you think of this episode? Well, let me turn it back on you, Morgan. On a scale of one to ten, where one is you walking on a wet beach and every time you take a step, there's a twig under it. And ten is sniffing Mitch's abs. Where would you rate it? And yes, that is my every single episode rating scale. <laughs> it's a thing. I'm making it a thing. So I would say for the first probably half to two thirds of this episode, I was at about a three. And then when we get the reveal of Chuck having been the one to murder Alex instead of Derek, I was up to like an eight because genuinely I did not expect that. So I would, yeah, I would overall, I would give it like an eight. And what would you describe an eight as? I would describe an eight as the feeling of realizing that there is a great lifeguard in the sky. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that's a decent eight. That's a decent eight. How about you, Michael? As we were going through the episode, I my mood about the episode kind of, it was kind of sinusoidal, and we're at a low point, I think, on it. I would give this episode probably a five. I... Really? The Fred stuff... Yeah, the Fred stuff bogged me down. Yeah. I... I did... Okay, I'm not doing this at all to be mean or rude. I did see the Chuck turn coming. Really? I attribute that to watching too many years of wrestling, uh, where every single fucking week there's a dude who's like, ah, I switched my character from protagonist to antagonist. Um... Uh, but also just like studying some theater and stuff and I don't know, watching too much TV. I don't know. I saw it coming. I specifically saw it coming when he said, uh, I have like, or when he established that he had no reason to do it, uh, by because his job is secure. And I was like, Oh, then he's absolutely going to be the one to do it. Uh, because you don't introduce that kind of information typically on a show like this, you would just not present it. It's too much information for a character to not be guilty. Uh, That's fair. So I I thought Chuck would be the killer. Uh, I especially did not think Derek would do it because I thought that would be way too obvious. Uh, I I did have a moment where I was like, oh, maybe it's Joanne. Then I was like, no, like they're not going to have that. And they're definitely going to have to. The show is kind of weird with the way science works. <laughs> it's true. They focus on, like, you know, how much time it would take to swim back to the shore if it was Derek. Uh, and it just didn't make sense timeline wise. And then they would have had to focus on, like, the swimming ability difference of, like, an adult man versus an adult woman who is, like, older, who could have done it. And, like, I don't know. It just didn't it didn't make sense to me that Joanne would do it. So it made sense to me that Chuck would. Um or that there is some other random character we weren't introduced yet. So uh 
but the Fred stuff really bought down this episode for me. Like, yeah, Jeff Altman did the best of what he could. And I can see why he gets brought back because he's clearly like invested in his role. But his role is crap. And I don't know. I, I think this I don't think this is my least favorite. Maybe if I go back and see what my ratings were, this might be my least favorite. I don't think I I don't think I disliked it more than I liked the episode with the kids stuck. Oh, that the, episode like, was so much worse. Yeah, that episode is worse with the storm drain stuff. Yeah. Like that that feels way worse. But this is not as good as last episode. Last episode was fantastic television. So yeah, I give it a five, and I'd probably describe a five as finding out that Fred is impersonating your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, our next episode of Baywatch Rookie Skull is actually going to be quite a great episode. So our next episode is for the episode called Rookie School, and we are going to have a special guest on is our friend Robert Persinger who uh if you somehow listen to a lot of podcasts you may know him as an associate producer on doughboys uh he's also a good friend of ours who has revealed to us after we booked him for the for the guest spot that he had watched all of baywatch nights before and has watched more baywatch than us which we were not expecting we expect people to come into this not having watched Baywatch. Uh, and we have some more guest spots we're working on for this season uh, and, of course, for future seasons. Uh, but he is the only one we have talked to who has actually watched an episode of Baywatch recently. And I'd like to read to you a little bit of the plot. Uh, again, Morgan did watch some of this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, this episode! this episode is wild and i'm very excited so the baywatch wiki description is a woman steals a book from a powerful man and hides out from him with the help of eddie craig and gina contemplate having children when they are married but have second thoughts after meeting a couple while on a romantic weekend trevor discovers that his hardest competitor among the rookies is doped so that was interesting uh in in the off time i have done some research on some of this show also uh we have recorded some side material uh which we are yes. excited to to have for you guys i think you're really gonna like it i really enjoy it uh but uh i did some some reading into peter phelps the actor who plays trevor uh he's a really interesting guy he's been on a lot of long-running australian soap operas australian soap operas are different from American soap operas in that they, uh, well, they're also really long running, you know, over the course of, you know, decades they run. Um, they're a lot less, uh, they're a lot less into walking around the sex. They're very <laughs> open with the sex. Uh, there's a lot of sex. Which is on impressive these shows. coming from Baywatch, a show which seemingly is not scared of, at least hinting very strongly at very horny sex. Yeah, but there's not boning and there's not nudity. But there is boning and nudity in Australian soap oh, operas. Wow. And in a lot of Australian television. Why do I know this? Uh, because <laughs> when I was a kid, I was a big Anglophile. And then I assumed, 
what's better than England? Probably the place where they send all their prisoners. Am I right? <laughs> uh, so I watched a bunch of Australian television um, as well. And so I started like watching some of this stuff uh, now. So Peter Phelps has been on a bunch of stuff, but he in Baywatch, he actually trained David Hasselhoff a bit on how to how to like swim in a lifeguard style. Uh, of course, they had on the cast, they had Mikey Newman, who is a real life lifeguard. But uh, Trevor, I guess, being from Australia, I'm shaking my head right now in confusion, uh, <laughs> knew how to swim really well and was just really fit. And I mean, he's a lot younger than David Hasselhoff. who was in his like mid thirties here. Uh, and he would try and teach Mitch like advanced strokes, uh, in swimming and such. Uh, and so Trevor is a character I've kind of really appreciate because, uh, it was around this time in the show where apparently Trevor had some issues with the cast. I don't know what I would have to read his book. He has a book called, um, <laughs> uh, this is another Google moment. Uh, this is a Google break. I'm just going to keep singing that so that I can cut it in and that'll be our stinger. Yes. <laughs> so it is called Peter Phelps sex without Madonna. True confessions of a hired gun in Tinseltown. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a title. Uh, there is one. There is six votes on Goodreads for it. Uh, and one review uh from an Australian person, and there's one question which is just, "What is this book about?" And it has two question marks. Uh, it's from 1994, so it was a few years afterwards. Uh, and there's an Amazon review just titled, "Some will love it." Uh, and it's it's a very long review, but uh, apparently he talks a bit about you know Baywatch, uh, and Hollywood culture, uh, but. Uh, it might be something interesting to read in the future if we do, like, if we decide we have enough time on our hands with everything else going on to read a book that related <laughs> to Baywatch. I'm just going to say everybody should start to really appreciate Peter Phelps uh, while he's on, while we still have him on this show. Yeah. Uh, because, spoiler, we don't have too many more episodes left Aww. with Trevor. I'll say... Honestly, this next episode kind of made me like him a little bit. We said that last time when he was with, with Mariska Hargitay, where he was just like, oh my God, like I realize I don't actually know how to be a lifeguard. Yeah. We kind of liked him. But then this episode, he's kind of a shitbag again. So. Ah, uh, gotcha. I, do you want to know how, how much more time left we have with, with Trevor? Not at all. Okay. So we don't have that much more time left. I'm just going to say that. Um, all right. And, uh, you know, reminder, there is 22 episodes in this season. So when I and we're on episode next one is episode, I guess, seven, mm -hmm. technically. Uh, so that tells you something because we're not even halfway through the season. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that about sums it up for me. I think this episode definitely had some real low moments, but. Ended up being surprisingly decent with some writing that I genuinely appreciated and hope that they will continue with for the rest of this season. Uh, Michael, you got quick lightning round final thoughts? Yeah, Morgan, I, I do actually have um, I do I do have a final thought. And that thought is, 
if you're going to come at me with final thoughts, <laughs> better ask something more to go on than a lot of wet assumptions. <laughs> and that's all I wanted to say. Uh, that is a great final thought. Yeah, I think overall this episode ended up being better than I was expecting. Just like I hope this episode of our podcast is. And I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrap. And I'm at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. And we will see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. Oh my god, ew. <laughs> Ha 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 